Hello, my name is Mikey Barge, and this is the podcast from the Greater London Youth Foundation. And this is the Greater London Youth Foundation presents The Mikey Barge Show. Each week, we will talk to young people who are doing great things in their community, or how they overcome failure or problems and so on. What have they learned from life's lessons that they can pass along to everybody? We will also talk to some adults who are doing great things for young people in their community sometimes too. Our sponsors are the John Lyons Charity, the Big Lottery Community Fund and Harrow Council. We would also like to thank the Young Harrow Foundation and Voluntary Action Harrow Cooperative. It's not all serious stuff, I promise you, but we take everything seriously sometimes. If you want to get involved, our details will be in the notes. Hello there, and welcome to another marvellous episode of The Mikey Bard Show. This episode is all about law. Have you ever dreamed about being a lawyer? I know I have. Have you ever, like, wondered what steps you need to do in order to become one? Well, stick around for the rest of the show because we're going to gain a lot of knowledge and insight when we talk to our guest, Fizikhan. She's an aspiring barrister and entrepreneur. But first, it's time for our news highlight of the week. The controversial Gangs Matrix compiled by Scotland Yard holds details of nearly 4,000 Londoners based on the latest figures from the end of last year. 35% of them have never committed a serious offence. But this is a database that's been set up secretly to label and demonise young black people who may have done nothing at all. It may be simply the way they dress, um, who they're associated with. Um, you know, are they going to put young black people on there because they're wearing a hood- hoodie, for example? Because how do you find yourself in the matrix? Well, the report explains that there is a very low threshold for putting a person on the list. Only two pieces of so-called verifiable intelligence are required to add someone to the list against their wishes without their knowledge. Oh, that's nice. The police can share this information about you with other agencies, such as the Home Office, the DWP, councils, housing associations, schools, colleges, and of course, the criminal justice system. A red flag next to your name follows you as you move house, schools, apply to college, or try to find work. What if I told you? The Metropolitan Police designed a list of suspected gang members and you were on that list with no way of knowing you were on it or knowing how to get off it. It follows you everywhere, when you apply for jobs or housing, even when you apply for benefits. How does that make you feel, Neo? Well, like I'm not in control of my own life. Yes, Neo. Now you are beginning to believe. So you're telling me if I associate myself with gang members, my life could be affected and I could be inserted into the matrix? Yes, Neo. You're telling me that it will impact my chances of securing housing and maybe employment? Yes, Neo. And you're telling me I can dodge bullets? No, Neo, I never said any of those things, but it sounded like you were saying I could dodge bullets. No, Neo, but you can dodge a whole lot of stress in your life later, being aware of the matrix. Not only is there no clear guidance or criteria to what exactly counts as verifiable intelligence, it defers in each borough based on interpretation by individual officers and gang units. You're probably going, oh, Mike, there's nothing wrong with being on this list. Uh, What's the problem? Uh, There was a guy that apparently drove his car down an area that was 
predominantly known for shootings. And now his license plate has been put on a list. When that individual applied for um, work at school, he found that he was denied. After chasing it up, he found out that he was on this matrix list because his car was reportedly in the area. This is what I mean. Mr. Anderson, by day you are masquerading as a proper employee of this company. But by night, I believe you are a suspected gang member by the name of Neo. Whoa, I, I, I don't understand. Of course you don't understand, Mr. Anderson. I believe we found these blue and red pills in your pocket. What are these? Are they a message to the Bloods and the Crips? No. Goodbye. No. The Amnesty report reveals that in July 2016, of the people listed on the Matrix, 99% were male. 80% were between the ages of 12 and 24. 15% were minors, the youngest just being 12, and 87% were black, Asian, minority ethnic backgrounds. People say it reflects the historic and current patterns of over-policing of the black community. The Matrix is fundamentally just another means of disproportionately profiling black men and boys as gang members. And this is a long-going history that's been going on for many, many years. Are more individuals who are black associated with gangs in the UK? No, they're not. That's a racial negative stereotype. More than three quarters of those on the list are black, whilst black people make up just 13% of London's population. 80% are between the ages of 12 and 24. In the future, a list was created. It was designed to disproportionately profile black men and boys as gang members, starring the Metropolitan Police also starring anyone between the age of 12 to 24 from the black or bane community also starring arnold schwarzenegger uh, listen to me let me tell you the matrix is just fundamentally just another means of disproportionately profiling black men and boys as gang members we will not persecute these young men let go of them now get down the, the black people have been gathered up they've been racially stereotyped they've been labeled demonized and placed on that database racist coming to a city near you so if a bloke comes knocking at your door with a long black coat and dark sunglasses now you know why so now i brought this to your attention people what are we gonna do about this come on let's start pressuring the government this ain't right how do you feel about this now let's move on to our guest because this is really key our guest is a, an inspiring barrister and an entrepreneur her name's fizza khan we're gonna move over to her Hi, um, my name is Fisa Khan and I'm 18. I live in London and my ethnicity is British Pakistani and I am currently in my final year of A-levels before I go to university and I study history, English literature, government politics and the area that I would like to pursue is uh, law. Very interesting. What is it about law that's appealing to you and why do you want to pursue it? I think because 
it's such a broad and complex subject. It's different to what you would normally expect. I think because law has always been a big part of my life from personal experiences and just in general. And I think it offers such a wide range of subtopics, let's say, because there isn't just one route to law. There's criminal, there's corporate, there's tax, there's land law, family law, etc. So I think looking at how barristers and you know looking at how complex the subject really is it really interests me and I'm really hoping to become a barrister hopefully because it's something I've always wanted to do you know with my personal experience being a big force with that so I think seeing barristers fight for my parents and bringing justice where it needs to be really excites me and learning the law and system with varying countries excites me and it's something I've always been intrigued about and I think that's what provoked my curiosity and I think whatever you learn narrows the path to law so for example if it's like marketing or construction there's construction law there's law for every types of uh, areas of industry let's say so I think looking at, at from a objective perspective it fascinates me on how comprehensive and flexible the area of law is how does somebody become a lawyer uh, what's the next steps you're going to need to do so you're doing your a level then what, what happens next um, so there's two different types of uh, paths you can go. So, so for me, it's the traditional route. So doing my ATE, pursuing a law degree and qualifying, um, probably doing my master's. And then I think is the part where I take the, you know, <laughs> the, uh, what do you call it? Sorry. The, was it the bar exam? It's like a bar exam, yes. So it's a bar exam and that qualifies you as a barrister. I think there's loads of pupillage and, you know, extra opportunities on the way. So, you know, taking that. But I think there's also the solicitor, which is where you take SQE. And the um, the other route is obviously if you do not do law, you don't really have to do law at university. You can take a GDL and then read that from being a solicitor or barrister so it's I think that's how what I like as well how flexible it is it's not just you have to go through one route it's several routes you can go to so that's what really interests me is there any pros and cons to being a barrister rather than being a solicitor I'm trying to see why you why why is it a barrister rather than going oh solicitor that's not for me is there anything that made you decide that um I think because I think that rooted from the mock trial competition I entered in 2016, you know, it was one of my first mock trial competitions and I put myself forward as the um, prosecutor lawyer and, you know, I had the opportunity to learn several things alongside. So I think that's also kind of what stemmed my desire to be a barrister. So, you know, questioning witnesses, you know, bringing, finding evidence on yourself. I, I like to prefer I, I mean I, I really like to work individually you know and sum up with what I need to ask and manipulate the question to the witness and obviously I think yeah so that competition was a really big force because you know lawyers well um, we had to come up with our own questions and ask the witness from another school who and that's what I think drove me to have the mindset of becoming a barrister because I really love that you can work individually but also you know questioning in front of the judges because I kind of like challenges and that's the perfect you know the perfect sort of thing that you need to become a lawyer then so let me ask you who are the two most influential people to you 
So the most, uh, the first most influential person is my mother, because uh, she has been a driving force in my life. You know, she's taught me that when doing something, there are going to be several challenges in life. You know, people telling you that it's not worth it or trying to discourage you one way or another, isolating you. But she's always showed, she's always taught me how to show up and show that, show them that you can, you know, if you're determined and you have a will to do it, then there's nothing in life that's too hard and everything happens for a reason. So, you know, going with that, uh, go, go, go with the flow approach. And I think learning and understanding your family is a top priority is also really important. So definitely her. And the second most influential person is my dad because you know he has taught me the importance of trust and how rare it is you know it takes years to build a trust so I think learning the importance of trust is really important in your life and it can be either trusting the process as well you know it's so important you trust yourself be patient like I said like everything happens for a reason so just having faith and being trustworthy is the two most essential things in life to move forward so he's been a really big impact and in influence my life what would you say is your biggest failure and then what did you do to learn from it so my my biggest failure is worrying too much because I tend to overthink everything and worrying and it's definitely something I'm working on um, because obviously you know life is life has its ups and downs and so you know whenever I'm thrown with a challenge I used to let my emotions take over me so I'm able to now control that so you know thinking it from a calm mind approach and listing out the pros and cons and instead of panicking is what I've been working on so now like I've learned to widen my horizon and if something doesn't go my way which is quite normal then that's okay maybe there was a reason for that so yeah definitely taking a calm mind approach step through it one could say that you are a very active student and you're on your way to a very successful career. What are some of the things that you need to do to kind of make sure you're doing that? Because you've mentioned, you, you know, the mock, the mock trial and doing all these extracurricular things. Is there anything that you can mention to our listeners that they should do, even if it's reading more, just to kind of make sure that they're going to be a great candidate? Um, I think, what is what is one advice I would give is yeah reading like you say you know reading is so important and useful because law is mainly about reading and reading about the law and order system and understanding it so if you get yourself in the habit of reading articles or journals I think that can really help and if for example if you want to be a lawyer so I would say you know going into firms insight days or events that are held by the firm and which I think is really important because I know since COVID-19 you know uh, several law firms have um, you know started up their holding virtual insight days virtual work experience so use those I know despite it being online it may not be you may not feel that it's useful but for CVs and personal statement if in the UK it shows how adaptable flexible and determined you are you're taking initiative and I think that can really help for employers to understand how determined you are that's brilliant and what's one thing then you wish you had known before you began this sort of career maybe a few years ago is one thing that you wish um, you put in place 
I think what I wish someone telling me is that sometimes it's okay to feel like you're not in the position to pursue law or any kind of career that you think, because it's okay, you know, it's human nature, you know, we all feel sometimes at some point in our life unqualified to do things. And I think if someone told me that it's okay to feel like that, and to feel as if this career is not suitable for you and feeling like you're you're not enough to gain this career or pursue a career of your choice, you know but if you could use that and turn it into a positive output so if you think you're not in the position for example to pursue law then work on it not feel sorry for yourself because it, it can be easy to do so put yourself down so I think using that as a way as a learning step to improve on yourself and if you feel like this career is way too ambitious let's say break it down make yourself understand how is this ambitious you know taking small steps and going keep going is key and it's very normal to feel like that but I think the most important thing is if you can put it into action with the determination I think it can get you through anything that's brilliant that's great advice and is there any misconceptions of law that I might have seen on tv that isn't really true in real life is there anything like that you might want to warn people about going hold on it's not like that's not like in tv but maybe maybe that part is is there anything like that yeah i think i think every student especially including me as well you know you i feel like loads of people do re-emphasize that you need to get a star a star a star to pursue a career in law it's not really essential sometimes i mean it's good but some of the time it's not really important there are other ways there are other routes you can go into law there's you don't have to get a star a star um in your a levels or your gcse's because different like everything happens for a reason in life you know if you're met with a challenge in your life you can't pursue a career law there are other forms ways um of pursuing a career law so like I said the GDL it's quite flexible now so I think that's a really big misconception that you need to have top grades to be a top candidate you have to study at the University of Law uh, University of Oxford to be a lawyer have to you know there are like other universities um, a star a star to be a lawyer you can you can have average but not average but you know something above average and still pursue a career in law that's so refreshing for our listeners just to know that you're not stuck in any position there are always options and there's many routes because not everyone's going to get a star right just based on the percentages that's impossible um Excellent. Is there any other work that you're doing? Any other job roles you're doing other than, you know, your your student activities? Anything else you're doing? So um, I'm a marketing manager for a charity organization and I help uh, with with like, you know, marketing. And it's a really good opportunity for me because even though it's not related to law, I'm still I could still narrow down a path to law because of how flexible the career of law is. So I'm doing that. And I'm also hopefully going to be a future entrepreneur, but, um, you know, just rooting out which ways to go. So I'm definitely thinking that. So um, thinking, I think also with um, 
opportunities you can take uh, especially because we're in a pandemic is virtual insight days you know I managed to secure a Clifford Chance insight day which I learned a lot about you know we went through different cases and understanding so that was really interesting and um, talking to you and panelists was probably the biggest achievement I think was last year um, where we talked about women's economic empowerment and it had such great influential you and panelists who were talking about the gender pay gap the gender inequality and how we can fix that and how we can move forward to create an equal society so I think those were the opportunities I had and um, yeah so <laughs> That's big. UN panelist. Wow. That was last year, was it? Uh, yes, 2020. That's amazing. 2020. It was in the pandemic. And during the pandemic. So you, you're, you're raising a very good point, which is that you can still be active. You can still get involved in these virtual rooms, probably have more of a chance now that they're, you know, you can just sit at your home, click on, turn on the computer and actually, you know, get involved and start speaking to these, you know, these professional people. This is amazing. Where can we find you online? So uh, it's just my name, Fizzle Khan, on LinkedIn. Well, it's the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening. Please find me on Instagram. I've got so many more clips on there. Mikey underscore Barge. And it's the same for my YouTube, Mikey Barge. I will see you on the next episode. Goodbye.